Hey, and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Reportcast. Yes, I am finally back. Sorry to disappoint all you fans out there. You have unfortunately got the annoying Tommy back again. Um, how are you, Blake? I'm good, mate. And for anyone listening, if, if Richard sounds like a robot or a bit far away, um, we're doing yeah, I am this in the country. I'm not actually in Australia. I am actually in Australia now, which is good. So I'm not that far away. Yeah, so we're doing this um, over the phone, um, and we don't have Jim either. But we just we wanted to get one out. The rugby season's heating up. Um, we've got an interview at the end of this podcast to play to you, which we recorded at the end of last week. And I just, you know, I was missing. I was missing Dick. I can't imagine what they felt like. I, I just, I just want you to clarify something. Do you say you're missing Dick, mate? Always missing Dick. I just, just wanted to confirm. Okay. No, no. I, I Okay. All right. Did you have an opportunity to listen while you were gone? We we were talking about a sad dick. Oh, the sad, the sad dick. <laughs> Where's the sad dick? Like you know, does he not come across as uh, what characterises a sad dick? Uh, I just don't think he can. He's just not up and about. He can't get it up. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, just not strong in the tackle or anything like that, though. No? Yeah. That's right, not strong in the tackle. Um, how are you, mate? Have you had any opportunity while you're back in the UK to, to watch any rugby or do you watch any European rugby? What's your take on things at the moment? Um, my take on European rugby is the only thing I watched, if I'm honest, whilst I was away was, uh, was Saracens uh, Exeter, which was obviously the, um, uh, the Gallagher uh, Premiership final. Uh, which was obviously played, uh, which was a great game. I don't know if you touched on it on the on the old potty, but uh, Saracens ended up winning uh, 37-34. What a um, uh, what a great game! Bit of a, uh, a showcase, you know. Obviously, the the, Brit- the European rugby gets a bit of a. I know we're talking about uh, English rugby, but gets a bit of a bad press for being a bit dour at times. But what an expansive game, and what a bit of a thriller, really. So, uh, uh, so that was good. I think all we did on that game is say that that's Dick's segment and he's not here, and then we curse you for not being here. Brilliant, thanks, thanks, so. thanks for your support. Appreciate it. Um, <laughs> but you have to look at that team, you know, that Saracens team. And look, to be fair, there's a lot of fantastic players in the Exeter team to but that Saracens team is just off the chart at times, you know. Um, but yeah, so you see what's interesting. I mean, I know that's um, British club rugby which is pretty intense there's a going to be an interview put in at the end of this podcast i had the opportunity to speak to luke jones last week and i actually got to tell you a funny yarn about that but i like he, he wasn't that subtle in that the training over in france and obviously it's a little bit different just isn't isn't what it is here mate um, we're not france we're not france what are you doing like it's having it's having darts at training and Drinking wine the night before games and whatnot. That's yeah, and to be honest with you, I'm not surprised by that. Um, just from some of the conditioning that the Australian players come back in, I would add though the fact that if you look at someone like Skelton who's gone across to the English system and he has serious lost some serious kgs while being over there. So um, the, the return question, I suppose, would be why can he do it when he's playing in an English system and he suddenly comes back to the Tars and suddenly starts to put weight on, you know, which he did last time. Yeah, yeah, and you're probably right. You're probably right. It was just an interesting thought, you know. Um, speaking of interesting thoughts, I guess that'll be the, the theme of this podcast because we, we're a bit late. We're not going to review all the games, although I could. Um, I definitely sat at home and watched them all this weekend. But we might just jump around. So any talking points, um, just... Just throw them at me, Richard. But my talking point to you is... Can I start with one? Can I start with one? 
Well, fuck you. Just show up and run the show. That's cool, mate. Well, that, I thought that was my geek. No, no, no please. Please. I've got one for you ready to go. I'll show it okay. too. So what do you got? Uh, 100 days to go to the World Cup today. How excited are you? Fucking heaps excited. I love it, mate. I absolutely love it. I've got me Wallaby jerseys arrived in the mail. The Indigenous oh. jersey looks outstanding. Did you? Is that in addition to the South African shirt I saw you post on Twitter? All right, oh mate. All right, you can be culturally insensitive with your British ways. I won't be. It's the Wallaby green and gold Indigenous jersey, and it looks outstanding. The, uh, the Indigenous nature of the shirt is outstanding. Yes, however, there is a slight <laughs> touch of South African influence in it. All right, Campo. Um, no, I love it, mate. It's just an away strip. Um, no, I, I literally, I couldn't be more excited. I fucking cannot grasp how good my life is every four years when you've got a Cricket World Cup and a Rugby World Cup within the same year. Um, is, is, is that an indictment on your marriage, just to put it out there? <laughs> well, you know, no, righto, mate. Um, no, no, Cricket World Cup, Rugby World Cup, how good. I, cu- I just I couldn't be more excited. And I think... Four. Which would you rather? Which would you rather? World Cup final, Australia win one. Which one? Oh, the rugby. It's, what are you talking about? It's not even close, mate. Because because the answer to that is really simple. Crickets to me is still just Test cricket. Mm. Um, yeah, and there is no That's World Cup equivalent to that. Mm. Arguably the Ashes, but I don't wait four years. You're waiting for it this year, though, aren't you? Oh, you have no fucking idea. (laughs) (laughs) How about you? Soccer World Cup, England wins it, or Rugby World Cup, England wins it? I mean, just saying that made me want to shower, but what do you think? Uh, Let's be honest. First of all, I'm a pessimistic palm. There is a greater chance of England winning the Rugby World Cup than what there is of us winning the, the, the Football World Cup. Let's be perfectly honest. So, if we win the football World Cup, I, I, I would fall over in shock, and I, I just, I just wouldn't know what to do with myself. You know, like it's just crazy. Um, so, there's more realism to England winning the, the, the World Cup. So, I think to answer your question, I love the fact that the, for the, uh, the rugby, I think that I was super excited about that. But I think it's, it's also a greater chance of us being successful in it. The last World Cup proved me wrong, though. So, I have to wait and see. Um, but let's go with the rugby. Let's go with the rugby because, again, great chance of us actually doing well in there. And Richard, just quietly, mate, it's a rugby podcast. I know, mate. It's supposed to be being honest. Oh, right, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, one of our taglines, isn't it? To be honest, honest report of the, uh, the rugby world. Yeah, that's why we can say people are fucking shit. Jimmy was fucking shit, the Rebels. But we'll get to them in a minute. Um, my thing with... Have you got 66 reasons to say they were shit? Mate, I've got more than that. Fucking line them up. Now, the other thing that I find so exciting about a World Cup, maybe this is just looking for some silver lining, is there's tournament form, which is different to just form in a, in a what tournament. What happens if you don't have either of them? Yeah, if you don't have either of them, you're England at the last World Cup. Um, oh, shots fired. Boom. Um, but, no, I think at the last World Cup, Australia didn't have any form <laughs> going into it, but they had their tournament form was on fire. So, I don't know, there's that, there's that hope of optimism there, and I just love... I hate that at the end of the World Cup, everyone pisses off from all their club teams and lots of blokes retire and whatnot. I love that in a World Cup year, you are seeing the best in the game, all the unions across the world fucking getting out their checkbooks to make sure everyone's playing for their team and it is the best rugby players in the world 
going at it. It's fucking awesome. Yes, I unbelievably agree with that. However, the Super Rugby tournament has slightly tainted due to the resting ramifications or, or resting um, parameters put in place by New Zealand and Australian rugby. No? Oh, I would agree, but it, it's so fucked anyway, this competition. Mm. Uh, like there was no sting to be taken out of Super, super Rugby. It's a dead horse. So you, you take another limb off the dead horse, it's still a dead horse. Um, four years ago, I'll take your argument uh, if there was all of this resting going on. And, I mean, the Kiwi Conference is, is proof of that. Without their All Blacks, they weren't doing as well. They didn't dominate like in previous years. Um, when the All Blacks are back, they're still fucking phenomenal. Look at the Hurricanes. Um, but whatever. I think the Super Rugby... Just enjoy it for what it is. I don't think there, there can't be a punter left who actually enjoys the competition. Like right now, you want I to know do. who's. I do. Let's be perfectly honest. I still love as much as it's fucked. Yeah, we understand that. There's so many different. There's so many issues within the system. I get that, but I still love the competition. Yeah, yeah, and I love the week to week games. I love coming home from yeah. work on a Friday knowing I've got two games of rugby. I love it, and that's awesome. But there's no whatever. Teams in the final, teams not in the final, whatever. Like, it doesn't feel like... I don't remember when Matt Dunning did that drop kick and the no, Cars no, couldn't make the no. final. Well, I no, just, no. like, it used to feel like it meant everything. Now it feels like a byproduct of international rugby and a very confusing conference system mm. um, where the best teams aren't necessarily rewarded. looks to be this year that they will be, Um when we get to the eight, but it's just, mate, you, right now to work out who's in the who could be in the finals next week, you literally need a PhD in economics. Can I also say, seriously, what's going on with the number of draws this year? I just looked at the last few weeks. There's been even more draws. What the hell going on? Does no one want to win a game? It's just everyone wanting to kiss their sister. That's outrageous, mate. <laughs> um, what do you we think? Do you think we need a golden point? Universe want to do that? No, no. Do you think we need a golden point in rugby union? I don't. By I think, well, I'm just, I'm just baiting you. I, 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 I don't, I don't. But I like, yeah, I don't. I don't. We're not NRL. I would, let's stick to our principles and just like move forward and actually try and win, the, win the game. I agree I completely. Know. And I think in rugby, with penalties being so prominent and the random penalty generator coming out in the last five as is, let's not give the referee. <laughs> More. Yeah, you watch the NRL. There's uh, and it comes down to golden point. Literally, there's no rules. It's literally no rules in that last in that time before whoever kicks the goal first. Because no one wants to give away a penalty. Yeah, it's like crazy. It's yeah. stupid. Speaking of the NRL, it's a great game of Origin this weekend. Are we allowed was to it? say that on this podcast? I thought it was a cracking I'm, I'm, game. I'm going to put it out there. I, I wasn't. It was. I don't think it was a great game. Why was it a great? What? What? what why was it a great game? Crazy, mate. It's just the fucking intensity that those blokes play at. Um, I, don't, I don't doubt the intensity. It was. Level. It was close. It? New South Wales was hanging on. Queensland was just banging the door down. Um, Queensland had to win though. They were heaps better. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, right. my my criticism of league is the the I don't mean, predictability. No, I think it's more that you need. There's two players who can ball play. Everyone yeah. else is just an athlete, and my god, they're athletes. They are quick. They can run lines. They belt blokes. The physicality is enormous. But there's two or three blokes in a team that that ball play. Other guys will have a two on one and still won't pass. Yeah, or make a hash of it. Yeah, because it's all about possession. Anyway. 
we digress. It's not a podcast. Let's, let's, I really enjoyed the origin, by the way. Next question. I'm glad you did. It was, yeah. Anyway, next question for you, mate. Yeah. Which has been more disappointing? With one round to go, Rebels might end up finishing seventh or eighth in the playoffs. I understand that. I don't think they will, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, who's had a more disappointing season with one round to go, Rebels or Tars? With the Rebels with such high hopes and now having less than a 50% record or the Waratahs who maybe we expected to be as bad, but did we think it would be this bad? Who's had the worst season? Um, it just depends how, how you choose to look at it, but my answer, my, my answer is the Rebels. My, my answer is the Rebels because the Falau situation did happen. Um, the Waratah's best player not playing. It's, it's hugely significant. Um, in addition to that, they just didn't. They played the season without a forward pack. Of course, they weren't going to do particularly well. Um, and the Tars never really got pumped. They were competitive in, in, in almost all their games. Um, you know, a few things go their way. They have a very, they top the conference. Like it's, they beat other Australian sides. They put the Rebels to shame. They showed Queensland that they weren't there yet. Um, a lot to like about the Tars in that respect. Still pretty piss-poor effort. But I think yep. given the squad that they had, given injuries that they had in their in their tight five early on, given the flower situation at the back end, it's not an unsurprising position. Um, there was probably two games that they should have won at home that they didn't. Um, <laughs> whereas the Rebels, man, what the fuck? They've imploded. Are we, um, just as an aside, is it, did we give Dave Vessels too much credit before and therefore this is an accurate representation or has something occurred that we're not sure of? I think, well, again, if, if you keep listening, if you're listening at the end of this podcast, I, I kind of sound a bit of a negative Nelly chatting to Luke Jones. He couldn't have been a nicer bloke, but I sort of said, what's doing, mate? Like, I can't sugarcoat it. This is what happened. Um, and I got the sense from him that they were just... They were also frustrated. They were also happy with what was happening um, at training and in camps. I think it's, I think you're right to put the blame on the coach a little bit um, because their their structures haven't changed or evolved. Um, they play very much two passes out, um, and it's not that unpredictable. The forwards were getting ascendancy early season because they looked a bit fitter, but as other teachers have matched them there, the forwards have been losing. Um, and then you've got Genier and Quaid on back football with a fairly predictable back line. Um, mm. They've been easy pickings. And, and I, you got to put some of that down to game management and planning because um, they clearly have the talent. Yeah, I absolutely agree 100%. And I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering where they, move, where, they, where they go from this because we all jumped on the, on the bandwagon at the beginning. Um, so... Do we actually, is there a big change and um, happens next year? Well, I'm very worried for them because the rumour is Genie is going um, and and they can't play without him. No, he's the best player by far. Isn't that what last weekend was? Like they lose by 66 when he doesn't play? Like I don't don't think they won a minute of a game when he wasn't on the field. No. um, For the whole season. So... 
Genny goes. Adam Coleman goes. Yeesh. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and you know, is how far away is Quaid from an overseas contract at 30, 31 and not in the Wallaby mm. set up? Um, yeah, they're coaxed to Miller home. Uh, how long are they in for? Yeah, so if you take out that team, if you take out obviously Genie and talk about Quaid going, Adam Coleman's supposedly departure to the UK is also going to be confirmed soon as well. So maybe there is going to be that. Um, that departure organically rather than a cull from the poor season. I don't know, but I'm, I am disappointed by their... Um, um, My question to you then, who would you rather be heading to next season? I know this is cutting this one short. Would you rather be the Reds who haven't performed all season um, but have a very young side um, or the Rebels who have an older side performed in the first half of the season? Who would you rather be going into next year? That's a tough question, but I think my initial instinct right off the bat would, I think I, I like the way the Reds are going right now. Um, Simon Krevy's going to Japan, Matt. All right, then we're the Rebels then. Okay. <laughs> Actually, on that, I asked Luke Jones about that, but it was the day that that story broke and he didn't know anything about it. Of course he knew something about it, mate. That's what I reckon, but he just didn't sound that interested either. He was like, yeah, yeah look, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. Did you not create a good enough atmosphere for him to spill the beans? Actually, I'll get that off my chest now. I was in, I, it was an awesome interview. He gave me plenty of time. We're having a great chat, but I was doing did it. You at, just, did you just big yourself up to say that you did an awesome interview? Now, he did an awesome interview. I was doing me level, all right? all right? But I had to do it at work, after work. And um, as people know, we're teachers. Teaching uh, groundsmen can be very strict about where you park. So I'm doing the interview, and I can hear over the intercom, if you're parked in blah, blah, blah block, we are shutting down the, the parking lot. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. The, the microphone's picking this up. Um, and then it keeps going, and then I realise it's my car. So I did the interview running out, holding my laptop, holding microphones, holding the phone. So if you listen carefully... You're consummate professional that you are, obviously. If you listen carefully, you can hear a car starting. Um, and, and that's why I, I do not have the ability to do two things at once. The second half of the interview is me going, mmm, mmm. <laughs> so there's some really, so basically what you're saying is, listeners out there, make sure you stay for the second half because yeah. it's really thought-provoking, yes? It's cracking. It's absolutely thought-provoking. Um, I've got a question for you then. Um, the Rebels, they're, they're pus. All right, we've confirmed that. That was fucking disgusting, 66-0. And we've said Vessels has, has got to be accountable for that. My question yeah. is, does Dan McKellar have to be in the Wallaby setup, Brumby's coach? Oh, yeah, but the easy answer is yes. However, does he fit the mould? Return served to you. Does he fit the mould of the Checker Club? Mm, but my argument to that is it's undeniable that you're picking the Wallaby type five. Four of them are Brumbies. I, I don't doubt that. But I'm asking and then on the bench of the remaining those type five spots, arguably Brumbies are another prop. Potentially I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you at any point in time. I'm saying, do you think that's going to occur? Does he fit the mould of the checker process? Yeah, no, look, you're probably right. And is it too close to a World Cup? But I just, a team with a rolling mall like that, if you're taking that type five with you to the World Cup, you have to be able to translate. 
Yeah. You pick, by the way, out of that, out of the two second race, just as a, an aside, um, Roy Arnold's picked up his game, but you still pick in um, Coleman and, um, or you pick in Arnold and Coleman. No, look, I'm I'm picking Arnold's been Rudder. easily the form second row of Australian rugby, Rory Arnold. He has been sensational and he's huge. He's a proper line-out option. The only question with him is his body height, his fitness, um, but I'd say he's improved both of those this year. I think Rod, Rod has just gone from better to better. He, he's he's a must pick for me as well. Um, mate, I keep Coleman on the bench just on reputation, but he, he hasn't outplayed Simmons. He hasn't outplayed Carter. He hasn't outplayed Phillip. No. Um, I think he's been behind all of those blokes, but knowing what he can do, um, I, I probably he's still in my squad, and I see what he's up to at training. You know, he gets a swag, gets a Socceroos yellow. Just, I love that. It's swag. Um, yeah, so that, that's that's sort of where I have that. Uh, what do you think about the Tars resting five of their Wallabies this weekend? So they had to rest players this season. They hadn't done it, um, and they decided that they would rest them this weekend. What do you think about that? Well, I, I get it because I, I heard the interview from um, from Gibson. Yeah, I understand his his reasoning potentially behind it. However, I also don't like it. If I'm being totally honest, like we've got um, uh, you got the last game of the season um, away at the Highlanders. Um, you want to make sure you want to finish on a high, surely. Um, I understand um, you wanted to make sure that for your home game against the Brumbies, you want to make sure you you celebrate with the crowd, go out, you know, be competitive, etc. Uh, but I don't like the fact that. Again, that last game against last game of the season, you're not making the playoffs. I feel like you should have your best team in place to to keep that momentum um, moving forward. Really, so I'm a bit disappointed they're not playing them. Mm, I get it. Like if I'm their coach, I get it. All season, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll rest them, but I can never actually bring myself to rest them. Um, mm. So I can't. I'm a little bit sympathetic in that regard. But my question to that is: Is this Australian rugby's underlying problem? In New Zealand, they were just rested because the All Blacks said you'll be resting them, champ. Um, whereas in Australian rugby, rest them one game, um, surely this does them no value, having a week off think. now. Well, that's the thing. That They're about to have a month off. Yeah, exactly. You want them playing to go into training, to be at that conditioning level, etc. You want to be playing at peak fitness. I, I, I don't get it. I, that's what I said. I understand it, but I also don't get it. Yeah, time. surely the point of the resting was don't take some of them to Africa. Yeah, or just rest them against the Sunwolves or rest yeah. them uh, uh, in the middle of the season to give them an actual proper break. And then my, my other question is, is it just fucking cruel to Mac Mason? Here's a bloke who hasn't gotten yeah, a go behind we Foley. Shat on, we shat on Mac Mason earlier on the season, but I'm starting to feel sorry for him because literally you don't play for ages. You go back to club rugby, look like absolute gun, and then you're expected to come into a super rugby team and operate behind a shitty pack of forwards to a high level, and then he doesn't because, quite honest, honestly, it's hard for him to do that for the aforementioned reasons, and suddenly we shit on him again. It's a vicious cycle, surely. It's a tough situation to be in, isn't it? Yeah. Um, as a Brumbies fan, are you excited about postseason? Uh, yeah, they they just couldn't be in better form. There's so much to like about the Brumbies. Um, mm. the, you know, the question is, 
how do they go? Do they have that big star power out wide um, to bust a game open when when a team can match them up front? Because at the moment, the backs are doing a really good job. They're playing some beautiful set-piece rugby, but it's on the back of forward dominance. Um, They dominate a scrum. They kick for the line out. Rory Arnold takes it down. They roll that maul, and they are on the front foot. It's a beautiful platform. Um, The question is, how do they go? when they're on the receiving end of some Canes or some Crusaders magic or the Jags can match them up front um, as all those teams have sort of came into form. I'm excited to see him tested because I think so much of the, the Wallabies' later prospects um, is is built on the platforms that the Brummies are setting now. But I like what they're doing. They don't have a player that they go to in the back line like a Karebi or a Falau or Hope Quaid will spark something, or Genie controls the whole game. They're just no, they're a fully piece. functioning side. Yeah, their set piece over the last, I don't know, five, six years has always been the structure of the Brumbies way, and they've continued. They've always had a good uh, good set of forwards, always scrummaged well, line-outs always functioned well. I think over the last five years, how many tries they've scored from rolling balls. They know how to play, and there's nothing wrong with that. They play to their strengths. Do you know what the lots. difference is now? Is their forwards can carry the ball too. Samu's a genuine ball carrier. So is Rory Arnold, and so is their entire front row. Yeah. Um, I tweeted it on the weekend. It's controversial, but I said I think Al Alatoa is the best Wallaby right now. He's the most important player to our World Cup prospects. Mm-hmm. It's not Genia. It's not, not Pocock. It's obviously fucking not the bigot for Lau. It's not Hooper. I reckon it's Al Alatoa. Really? There you go. Because... I, I well, still think Genia is more of a. I understand your reasoning behind it, but I just think Genia is such an important factor in your go the go forward. I know the forwards have got to set it, but I just think Genia. If if Alalatoa goes down, I understand there's someone will come in and not be as good as him, but they'll replace him. But if if Genia goes down, your replacement is nowhere near as good. Maybe I, I'd argue the same with Alalatoa because Slipper and Co are on the other side of the scrum, um, and I just don't. Kepu, legend of the game, played his last game for the Tars last weekend. Um, that's sick in that, but I don't think he's he's not the same calibre. No. Talking of playing last games, um, last question for me, really. How will Scott Higginbotham be remembered? As He should be remembered as a fucking superstar. Um, At super rugby level rather than the international level? Yeah, but mate, what did he play? 40, 50 tests? It's a pretty impressive effort, and he didn't not score tries there either. Um, I think he he's one of the blokes that's always been on the receiving end of Australia not having big packs. Um, he's, a, he's a loose forward in the loose sense of the word, you know, a Stephen Hoyles-type mould. Um, and maybe we wanted more physicality from him because he was a big bloke, a big boy. Um, but I don't... I just don't reckon it's he, – he shouldn't be underrated. He, he's offered so much to the game. He scored so many that. fucking tries. I just believe that for him, with all the physical qualities he has, he should be playing more than 34 times for Australia. And, you know, and for whatever reason he hasn't, in terms of you just the reason, in terms of playing too loose, not being – not um, putting the effort in at the breakdown, not being a good enough ball carrier, I don't know, but – um, I just think, and, and I agree, he's a fantastic super rugby player and very good rugby player full stop. Um, but I just I just wanted to ask the question whether he would be remembered as a fantastic super rugby player or someone who didn't quite reach his potential on the international stage. And I think you're, you're probably right with that end analysis. A um, couple of other things to touch on then. Um, Under-20s, World Cup. 
Yeah, they play Australia play England, I think, in the Tonight. last group. Um, it's uh, both teams if they win will then go through into a uh, want to go through to the next round. Fancy your chances? Um, I really do. I think uh, this side looks really, really, really good. I watched the Ireland game. Um, yeah, but they got a red card early, um, and they were leading sort of for the first 20 or 30, and then we just thrashed them in the second half. Um, I don't know the inner workings of the under-20s, but fuck, some very good players in that Australian side. Yeah, um, very, um, very good I'd... players. I think it's it's just testament to the AU's decision, was it about two years ago, to actually start signing blokes at 18 instead of letting them all go play rugby league. Matt, I watched the origin on Wednesday. There's about six blokes from the Australian schoolboys for rugby union mm, playing state of origin on Wednesday night. So I think this is proof that we're keeping some of the talent, um, keeping some of the talent here, which is awesome. I like the end of 20 system as well. I know England have been successful the last few years, and I think that's, that's created a transitional program or a pathway, sorry, for the for the other players as well. So um, I like the end of 20 tournament. It's, I'll tell you what, though, I do think the age of the protege is dead. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely, because you go, yeah, I would agree. I just think yeah. conditioning um, in sport and professionalism has eradicated the 17, 18, 19-year-old carving mm. in all Other sports. Than- other than a Blake Leonard back in the few days, a few years ago, who was just a protege, yeah. That was it, mate. Just the absolute protege. Um, all right. Well, what else is doing in the world of rugby? Uh, not much, mate. Really. I think we've uh, we've touched a lot, uh, a lot of it, really. Um, just excited about this week, last week, and um, yeah, no, should be should be good. It's nice to get back and chat a little bit of a uh, bit of footy. Absolutely, mate. Um, well, I'll just throw then at the end of this podcast. Um, if you're listening to us on Green and Gold, thank you so much. Um, that's awesome. You can also follow us on Twitter. What's our Twitter handle, Richard? Um, it is rugby underscore podcast. How good, mate. I forget every week. Um, but we are also, I said this a few weeks ago, but it's actually happened for reals now. We are also on Spotify. So if you've got Spotify, um, we're just trialing something. We would love it if you jump over. And on the Spotify release of this podcast, um, we're going to attach that amazingly professional interview with Luke Jones where I run out to my car, um, <laughs> which we recorded a week ago. And I, and I will add it was recorded before their 66-0 loss. So, you know, thank nice God cap- for that. <laughs> yeah, nice caveat. Good job. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, nice to catch up with you. Yeah, you too, buddy. And, um, yeah, looking forward to doing this on Monday next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the gang back together. All right, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, enjoy the interview. Cheers.